You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Those who make them are like them. In other words, we become like the God we worship. We worship the true and living God, and because we worship the true and living God, we become like the God in Christ that we worship. We become more Christ-like. And oh, by the way, is that not the purpose? Is that not the whole point? Have you ever gone through a difficult time and wondered where God was in the midst of it? He uses those experiences in our lives to refine and shape us to be more like Him. Pastor J.D. teaches us in today's message that we become more like Christ as we seek and worship Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 135, with today's message of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 1, Psalm 135. I love how this starts. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O you servants of the Lord, you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, verse 3, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to His name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for Himself, Israel for His special treasure. For I know, verse 5, that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. Notice, of course, that the word gods is yes, lower case G. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. He destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, speaking of that tenth plague, as the Israelites were delivered out of slavery in Egypt, both of man and beast. Interesting, remember now that tenth plague, it wasn't just the firstborn in the family, it was the firstborn of all of their livestock. Very interesting, just as a side note, that the tenth plague would be the death of the firstborn son, unless you have the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross in the doorpost of your house, so the angel of death would pass over and you would be saved because of the death of, that's what it points to, the first and only begotten Son of God. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, I digress. 
He destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. He sent signs and wonders into the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. He defeated many nations and slew mighty kings. Sihon, verse 11, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his people. Will somebody please let the Palestinians so-called know about (laughs) verse 12 and the many other verses like it in the pages of Holy Writ that declare that the land was given to Israel. Verse 13, Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge His people, and He will have compassion on His servants. The idols, verse 15, of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. This is interesting, verse 18. Think about this. Those who make them are like them. In other words, we become like the God we worship. We worship the true and living God, and because we worship the true and living God, we become like the God in Christ that we worship. We become more Christ-like. And oh, by the way, is that not the purpose? Is that not the whole point? You know, we quote Romans 8.28 readily, freely, often. Nothing wrong with that. Everything right with that. But I think we're grossly remiss when we, in quoting Romans 8.28, do not also include with it the quoting of Romans 8.29, because Romans 8.29 explains what the purpose of Romans 8.28 is. Let me explain. For we know, not think, hope, no. We know that God, as only He can, will work all things together for the good. It's not all things are good. No, God will work all things together for the good. I was in my devotion time with the Lord this earlier this week, and I was reading in the original that that word carries with it the idea of how God will weave everything. So I think about Joseph in Genesis 50-20 when he reveals his identity to his brothers, and his brothers are thinking for sure they're dead, they're done after what they did to their brother. And Joseph says to them, in one of the most stunning verses in all of the Bible, he says, what you intended for evil. You intended evil for me. But God, I love those two words, worked it for good for the salvation of many this day. 
In other words, God took the evil that you intended for me, the bad, and He made good. Only God can do that. He orchestrates the circumstances. He choreographs the steps. He weaves, or maybe even better said, reweaves everything in our lives as only He can, and He makes it good. Only God can do that. Now that is what Romans 8.28 promises to those, here's the rest of the story as Paul Harvey would always say, those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Oh, wait, and we stop right there, right? (laughs) I mean, especially when somebody's going through a really difficult time and you know, we're just right there to remind them of the verse they already know. And we say it to them, I mean well-intentioned of course, but they're going through a difficult time. And what we need to communicate to them, and what we need to understand for those of us who are going through a difficult time, is that the purpose is to make us more like Jesus. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ, to make us more like the God we worship, because we become more like the God we worship. Those who make them are like them. They become like the gods they worship. One last thought, and we'll move on and finish this uh, psalm. So, you know in Isaiah, when Isaiah likens God to the potter and man to the clay, I love that, speaking of hymns, that classic, one of my favorite hymns. In fact, my mom, when I was a little boy, made me, actually paid me $3.75, which in quarters, because she owned a restaurant, which I blew on pinball, to... uh, memorize and play on the piano, Have Thine Own Way. It was hymn number 272 in the hymnal. And by the way, I have that very hymnal from my childhood in my library in my home office. Anyway, that hymn is really based on Isaiah and this imagery of us being the clay and God being the potter. And it's really quite a powerful scripture picture, if I can say it like that, because in the hymn, the writer says, and I love it because it's so well worded, Thou art the potter, I am the clay, mold me and make me according to your will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. He's the potter. You know, have you ever seen potters with clay? Oh, it's not pretty, especially at the beginning. And by the way, let's remember what clay is. Dirt. Yeah. And he takes the clay, the dirt, and really it's worthless, right? And he takes it and 
he begins the work of shaping it to make this beautiful usable vessel. But he has to get all of the gook out of the middle so that it can become that vessel that he wants it to be, that he's fashioning it into. So now once he's got this glob of clay, he puts it on the potter's wheel. This is when the nausea starts, because (laughs) the wheel spins around really, really fast. Those are those times in your life where you're just going, God, what are you doing? Oh, you have no idea. Yeah, but God, it's just, everything's, this is, and then he takes his hand while you're spinning around a thousand miles an hour, and he goes like this. Well, that's how the shape starts to come in, right? And so he's, he's shaping you while you're on the wheel spinning around, and then all of a sudden, the spinning stops. And you're like, ah, 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 ah. wow, am I glad that's over. It's not over. <laughs> the potter takes that clay, takes it off the potter's wheel, and he places it into, do you remember this from school? I don't know where they came up with this name, but in school they called it a kiln. How appropriate is this? God, you're killing me, because the kiln is the furnace. And they turn the furnace up, and it's really, really, really hot. I think of Isaiah again. He says that God has chosen the furnace of affliction to refine you. I don't want to be refined in the furnace of affliction. I have many other places that I think I would much rather be refined, like the beaches of Hawaii, for example, I think would be a great place for me to be refined. But no, he's chosen the furnace of affliction to refine us. So the potter takes that clay, puts it in that furnace, that kiln, and then he takes it out, and now he starts putting his artistic drawings on it all the colors, the beauty. You know, in the New Testament, when the Apostle Paul says, we're his workmanship, it's a very interesting word in the original language of the Greek New Testament. It's poema, where we get our English word for poem. We're his workmanship. We're his poem, his work of art. And you know how the artist, they will take their masterpiece, when it's all done, We're not done yet. (laughs) We're all a work in progress, and we will be, because faithful is He who began that work in us. He's faithful to complete it. And one day we will be completed. And I love in the book of Revelation, I think this has reference to the whole purpose of conforming us, molding us, making us, shaping us, into the image of Jesus Christ as His workmanship. That's the work, the purpose that God has for us. That's why the hardships come. God takes bad and 
makes good as only He can. And He uses those fiery trials when you're in the furnace. He uses those times in our lives when we're on the wheel and everything is spinning out of control. He is shaping us. He is making us. We are His work of art. And He is making this masterpiece. And when He's done with the masterpiece, you know what He does? He puts His name on it. His name of ownership on His prized possession. I can't wait to get my new name. I never liked my name. Wahid Fayez Farag. Might as well be Osama Bin Laden. You know, I mean, what a name. My wife, bless her heart. So her maiden name was Lynn. Kelly Lynn. Very Irish. You know, a lot of the Irish, they drop the O. Used to be Olin. So they drop the O. O'Reilly, a lot of Rileys, they drop the O. Olin, they drop the O. Lynn. That was her maiden name. I come along. I change her name to Frog. She's like, really? <laughs> She's never forget. I keep telling her, you know, it's not much longer. You're going to get a new name anyway. And I, I, it is just going to be wonderful because he's going to put his name on us. We're going to be given a new name. I can't wait. I've already given him suggestions, you know, on anything <laughs> but the name I currently have. Which is why, by the way, one of the reasons why I came up with the legal AKA of J.D., I just never really liked Wahid. Nobody could ever pronounce it. And in sales, you need people to remember your name, let alone pronounce it. Otherwise, if they don't ask for you, you don't get the commission, right? So I decided to come up with a name that would give me an opportunity to share my faith. So I came up with JD. And little did I know, this is before that television series came out with JR, who shot JR. That really bummed me out. But anyway, it's not JR, it's JD. And the JD stands for Jesus Disciple. So whenever I would, you know, have an opportunity, and here I'd be in a sales situation, I have the customer across the desk from me, and they would always, you know, see my business card, and it would say, you know, I actually put Wahid JD in parentheses Farag. So I would always be referred to as JD. And I would get the most interesting responses from people. They'd go, what does the JD stand for? Jack Daniels? <laughs> I'm like, oh. So, and the whole complexion of the conversation would change when I would say, no, it doesn't stand for Jack Daniels. It stands for Jesus' disciple, because I'm a born-again Christian. You could see their whole countenance kind of like, oh. And they always say things like, oh, pardon my French. To which I would usually respond, buddy, that ain't French, okay? My dad taught French in high school. That wasn't French. But anyway, again, I digress. We become like the gods we worship, and that's the purpose. The worship of the Lord Jesus the Christ is the one whom we become like. I know I said one last thing. This will be the last, last thing. Okay. You know that you begin to act like, and talk like, and behave like the people you hang out with the most? I'm thinking of this proverb that says, do not associate with an angry man lest you become like them. 
In other words, the people that you spend the most time with, you become the most like. Interesting thought. And so too is this true with the God that we worship. So, verse 18. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Bless the Lord, verse 19, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. The psalm begins how it ends and ends how it begins. Probably goes without saying, but this psalm is a psalm of pure praise. And it's praise to God for all the mighty and wondrous works that He has done. And there was just really a sampling, as is listed by the psalmist, I think it's in the book of Acts where Luke writes that you could not contain, it's too voluminous. There would not be enough volumes to contain all that Jesus did in His public ministry when He was here on earth in just three years. You could not, it was so voluminous. I was thinking about this the other day uh, in another one of my devotions. You know when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? It says at the end that Satan left only, that he left, but would return at a more optimum time. Satan is relentless. He never gives up. And he's very patient. And he'll wait for that optimum time to attack. Here's my point where I'm going with this. We just have one account of when Jesus was tempted. Do you think that's the only time that Satan tried to tempt or attack Jesus? No way. That's just the only one that was recorded. Can you imagine how many times Satan tried to attack and test and tempt and defeat Jesus? He would do everything he could to keep Jesus from going to that cross You know, Christians, I don't know why it is, but we don't understand that Satan knows the Bible like way better than we do. I just got done reading a book, and I'm in, you know, I'm referenced in the book. I know the book very well, because I'm in it. Satan knows the Bible very well, because he's in it. And he knows Scripture so well, better than we do, better than pastors do. And so he takes the Scriptures, which is what he tried to do with Jesus. He quotes it just with a little itsy-bitsy twist, which is what he did with Eve, by the way. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving Creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. 
You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth.